the comic was received with mixed feelings. Some of the people were thinking that we are teaching our kids in the wrong way, like we are propagating like Western culture. The word itself, feminism, was also interpreted differently uh, with other people. Uh, like some of them thought that maybe we are talking about the same-sex relationship, uh, which was not. So it was received uh, by people differently with mixed feelings. Dressing uh, a pant like that or a shirt is improper behavior. That's what the, the traditions and uh, the cultural setting believes. You're listening to The Leader's Lab with Dr. Charity TV. Welcome to The Leader's Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. Hey, 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 Entre Leaders, happy Wednesday, and welcome to the 37th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in to last week's episode with uh, Mr. John Whalen and the Kesho Fund. We had a really good response, and we actually brought back uh, the two people that he talked about from last week, uh, and we have Oliver Kamathi and Petra Okot with us on today. So without further ado, I am going to bring them on. But before I do, let me just actually say that if you're watching the video version on YouTube, and if there's a little bit of a lag in either of the the speakers, just know that we're working with multiple networks. And we're talking about dealing with China network and also Tanzania network. So um, but if you're listening to this on the audio version, of course, everything's going to be nice and smooth for you. So I just wanted to give you that heads up. Okay. So without further ado, let's bring on our special guest for today. We have again, Mr. John Whalen. <laughs> Afternoon, Charity. Good morning, Petro and Oliver. And we have uh, Mr. Petro Okot. Hello, Charity. Uh, good morning, Oliver, and good afternoon, John. And we have Miss Oliver Kamathi. Hello, everyone. My name is Oliver Kamathi from Tanzania, East Africa, and I'm working with the Kesha Fund. Nice to be with you today. Thank it's you. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. So, you know, last week um, we talked about how the, the Kesho Fund was uh, founded in 2017, just a few short years ago, when Tanzanian teachers Oliver Kamathi and Petra Okot met uh, John Whalen. And so we heard John's uh, perspective inside about how he got started in Tanzania and moves forward. And so today I kind of want to uh, hear from Petro and Oliver's side of the story of how they particularly got started, what it was like before found, uh, founding the Kesho Fund. And so I'm just going to ask them a couple of questions. First, starting with Oliver, 
Uh, Oliver, what was it like? Uh, because you are the you're the outreach coordinator, right? So, what was it like for you? Um, working with different initiatives, educational uh, initiatives prior to starting the Kesho what was that Fund? like? Yeah, thank you, Charity. Um, I started teaching a primary school since 2002. I taught there for six years. And in 2018, I joined secondary school where I, I was teaching students aged 12 years up to 18. During my experience, I observed many things in classroom and out, outside the classroom. And um, all these issues were seen to be negative to girls. Everything girls that were doing, they found that it is, they think that they cannot do uh, big things and they cannot even be leaders. And from primary to secondary, I saw the same experience. So I was thinking on how I can help them and make them realize their, their potentialities and how important they are in the community. So I started thinking on how I can work with them. When I was in the primary school, that did not work out. But when I joined the secondary school is when I found that I can sit with those girls and establish something that can make them think that their importance as their counterpart boys. So it was not easy. It was not easy because uh, of the some traditions. As John mentioned in the previous recording, in Tanzania, we have more than 128 ethnic groups, and each one has different uh, traditions. And some of the traditions make girls and women in general to feel inferior because how they are treated. They, are, they believe that they cannot uh, decide for themselves, maybe men can do better than them. And that wow. goes from every aspect of life in education, decision-making, and also in leadership positions. So that one also made me to feel that I have to do something to help these girls to understand that traditions are there, but they have nothing to do with their intellectual setting and things like that. So they should stand up and show their abilities and how they can help the society to understand that they are also important. So when I was beginning the club, I, I announced, we normally have the, this morning gatherings in, in our schools. So I announced that I'm going to begin girls club. Anyone who wants to join, please come and join. No one came. I announced like six times, no one joined the club. Then I said, what can I do? So one day I sat under the tree and I took my laptop. I was just trying to watch my photos in the laptop and some girls said, what is madam doing there? So like three girls came and asked, madam, what are you doing? I say, I'm just watching the, my, my pictures. Do you want to watch with me? I say, oh, yes. So they sat there and they started just looking at their photos from my laptop. Then I told them, they, when they reached six, I told them, now you know what? Our, uh, this is the girls' empowerment club. How do you see? They say, madam, what is that? I say, I said we wanted to form something that will show to people that we are important and we have our dreams and we know how we can reach our dreams. How do you find it? They say, okay, fine. If you can lead us, it's okay. So that's how we began. So we, with those six students, we sat under the tree and um, 
we say we cho just chose the day where we can be sitting by that by that time we chose thursday uh, during the club sessions so during club sessions we could sit under the same tree and we discuss different issues really we had no agendas we didn't know what to talk about but we were just there sitting and thinking how they can share the challenges they are facing through and what do they think that could be the solution of the challenges they are facing uh, luckily enough i came to realize that those girls here were great only that they missed the chance to be recognized that's what i learned so from them they said that our challenges are maybe we have problems with the menstrual issues when we are in menstruation we don't get uh, materials to support us. And also, we don't have time to talk to our parents. They don't sit with us and educate us about how changes, how our body are changing and how we can overcome that. So from there, we say, okay, let us find people who can help us get materials that will support us. And uh, through the experience and the surroundings, their surroundings, we started, uh, thinking on how we can make the reusable sanitary pads. But before we reach that stage, uh, I got an opportunity for girls to join um, girls uh, club. So when they joined that club from, it was called, uh, oh, a women, a women in STEM, women in science. So they joined that. So from there, we got one girl who was very interested and also uh, um, motivated them to apply. We didn't have facilities to do that. So I was using my PC and sometimes we were going to the internet cafe where we could write the application. So one of them was accepted. So from there, the club started growing and the girls knew that, okay, with this club, we know that we can share our issues and we can do better things in the community. That's how we began our journey before we met John Wallen. Thank you. Wow. So you already had, John, now I understand uh, what you were saying like before when you, you found an initiative that was already moving, like had something going because that is, that's pretty powerful. I actually was going to ask, um, I was going to ask you, Oliver, how was the initial response to the club? But but you, you kind of segued into that with the story about how the girls, you know, the three girls came to you and were like, what are you doing? What are you looking at? That's really, really powerful. That's powerful. So Petro, how do you actually get involved with, with this, this girls club? Because now you have, you know, you, you have Oliver who, who got started and, and this is before Kesha was even founded. Uh, so how did you become involved with this? Thank you very much, Charity. <clears throat> uh, but before I say how I got involved with the Girls Club, let me begin with a short history of where I came from. Sure. Uh, yes, I was born in the northeast, uh, northern part of Tanzania, that is uh, close to the border with, the, with Kenya. And I was raised in an extended family where my mom took care of kids from the streets, the orphans. And she told us that when you grow up, remember that we are all human beings, despite our differences, economical status, uh, family backgrounds, we are all human beings. 
So we grew up knowing that we are all human beings and the problem that is facing one person is facing me too. And during the Christmas holidays, I, th I think this one is celebrated all over the world or many parts of the world. So she would tell us that you should have one person at least that is disabled or is not able to get something to eat during the Christmas holidays. So find the means of helping this person and make sure that he or she gets something during the Christmas holidays. So I was raised that way. Uh, then when I started working as secondary education in 2012, uh, I initiated English clubs at my school where the aim, because here in Tanzania, we are learning using English. I mean, English is medium of instruction at school and medium of communication at secondary school. So I was trying to find the way of making my students active and helping them to perform well in their education. So I started English club. And in 2015, uh, we were called in a training at the St. Augustine University of Tanzania, where I met Oliver, who was also invited in that training. And during the training, we were elected, me as a secretary of Tanzania English Language Teachers Association, TELTA, Mwanza chapter, and Oliver was also elected as an executive member. That's where we began working. So when we discussed in our first meeting after the election, we, dis we sat and discussed the things with Oliver and all six members of the executive committee of Delta Mwanza and found out that we have the same vision and the same mission, kind of. So that's where we started working together. So we started by organizing English uh, competitions like uh, speaking competition, writing competitions, and so now we started sharing our ideas on how we can improve the lives of our students, how we can help to prevent the street kids. And then we said, okay, for us to help these kids, we need to have something that can help them. They can speak and they can be heard. And then instead of having many street kids in the future, we will have very few because if we give them better education, they will have better life. And then, and also like we have early marriage as Oliver said, and early pregnancies. So we said, if we give them education, we'll prevent these early marriages and early pregnancies. And then at the end of the day, we'll reduce the number of street kids. That's how we started working together with Oliver and got involved in her clubs and working together. Wow. Wow. That is, now I know I just said, uh, I just used the adjective powerful for what I just described with what Oliver was doing, but no, seriously, that is, okay, so do they have to be in school in order to be a part of the Kesha Fund or or are, is, you know, is the Kesha Fund open to street kids as well? So, I mean, I just, I think that's very interesting, street kids term. I think of something else when I think of street kids. So that's why I'm just asking about that. Okay, thank you very much for that next question. Uh, actually, we don't take uh, kids from the streets, uh, but when I, what I meant when I said the street kids is that because we know that 
through education, we can prevent kids from going to the streets because they have something to do. Like I said before that my mom took care of kids, orphans and street children because they were not going to school. They had no one to help them. To help them. So my mom thought that, oh, then in order to prevent them from being at the streets, we have to house them and provide education to them. Um. And yeah, so actually the cash fund does not uh, take the streets, uh, the streets kids, as I mentioned, but we work with those who are at school. Maybe okay. Oliver or John, if you can add more on that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll lend the floor to John, uh, John and Oliver. So uh, yeah, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I would like to add where Petro ended. It's true that Kesha Fund works with the student, the students at school. We don't go for to the street to take the the students. But the, you ask that what kind of girls that we have. It, it's true that as I said in the introduction, we are working with girls, and in some cases also we have boys in the club. Like the first club to begin, we had a number of boys who were really interested to know what we are teaching them. And when they knew that is their generation, they are going to live together. They find that this is something good. We need also to get this education because we are going to make our future together. So those are the kind of people we have in our clubs. They just join freely. We don't force them, but you just invite them, they join. And they, once they join, they don't want to leave. So we have a really big number of uh, girls and some boys in our clubs. I like that she said, once they join, they don't want to leave. <laughs> I love it. John, you have something you want to add to that? Yeah, I was, I was surprised the first time I joined one of the girls club sessions, it was like 30% boys. Um, there were probably 80 students there at least, and I was pretty impressed. And as far as I could tell, the boys just showed up because they felt like it and they enjoyed it and they came back week to week and it's not like you know it's not an official club that anyone is getting credited school for or anything they just come because they feel like they're benefiting from it which i was really impressed by however i was wondering um i think in the past you've told me about uh in addition to preventing homelessness among students through education generally i think you've talked about a pretty direct relationship between early pregnancy and access to safe sanitary products for students at school and their ability to continue education. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how the girls clubs might help prevent students from dropping out or failing out? Yes, John, I can say something about that. Okay, as you, you know, the challenges girls were facing at school they lack these uh, menstrual facilities. And for them, if they don't get these materials to support them, they won't come to school. And it is true. Students who are not coming to school on menstruation day, they will stay home like five to four to five days uh, every month. So if you find that number of absenteeism from school just because of menstruation in a year, you find it's quite a long time. And when they don't come to school, sometimes they get discouraged. They don't come to school for good 
desktop education, education. and uh, as Petra mentioned also, they will enter into early pregnancies and uh, we sometimes we may use the term unwanted children. We say unwanted because they are not ready to become parents, yet they are forced to become parents. They cannot feed them, they cannot educate them, and they add burden to their family that already has enough number of children. So you find those children who are born in that system, they just go to the street to look for their own life on how they can live. And most of them, they'll be begging people in the street. When you just walk, they'll stop you. They ask you, can you give me something to eat? So life will, will be like that. And uh, also, as we are going to talk about the other projects that we work with the Kesha Fund, you find that they also had few uh, bathrooms that will not support them. Even if for those who could get the sanitary parts, they had no good places for them to change those things. So we find that the environment was not a little bit supportive for them. So they opted to stay home until they finish that period before they come to school. And it's when they can be tempted to do other things which will endanger their life and stop them from coming to school. Thank you. Wow. So, so I, I know John mentioned that last week about them, um, about many of the girls missing days that they couldn't get back from school because of their menstrual cycle, and and so we ended up actually talking about um, the the pad project with uh, with the tailor. I, I believe her name is Adina or Dina. Yeah. And so we we saw what uh, some of the what the pads look like and and in detail, but so. You, you mentioned that there were other initiatives at, as well, or other projects as well. Um, and uh, you mentioned the bathrooms, which we kind of talked about a little bit um, last week about, about the bathrooms, but I didn't, I actually didn't realize that there would be uh, issues with, with not having like a bathroom or at least, you know, one stall or, or something um, in a school. Is that is that pretty common? Is that pretty common to like not have, uh, like a, a bathroom there. Obviously, that's why you guys are building one there, right? So, but but for other listeners who may be in in the, in the United States or anywhere in Europe, and you know, we take for granted that we have bathrooms, you know, in the primary schools. Like, what is that like for us? Because someone may not be able to wrap their minds around that at this moment. So, would either of you, either one of you, could uh? Explain what that what's that like for the children? Like, where are the bathrooms before you? How do they go to the bathroom? You know, before you build these bathrooms, what what is that like? Okay, uh, here we not that we don't have bathrooms, we have them, but they are not enough. You know, the number of our students keeps growing on every year, so you find that the bathrooms which are there, they are not enough. That's why Kesha Fund is adding the number of bathrooms to enable students to have a comfortable area for themselves. But we have them, they're not enough. We're adding them to make the number big so that students can use them comfortably. Maybe Petra, you can add more. Sure. Okay, thank you, Oliva. I wanted to say the same. Uh, just a few things to add is that uh, when the schools were built, the number of students who were there were very few, but as the days goes on, as Oliver has mentioned, the number increases. 
That's why the bathrooms are not enough because of the increase of the number of the students in the school. Okay. Okay. So, so is it the same with supplies? Usually we hear, you know, usually we hear about the increase in students so that, so there's a lack of, of, <coughs> of supplies. Um, but, but now uh, this is my first time hearing that, you know, there's an increase in students and, and there's uh, a lack of, of, bathroom like you need to you need to create uh or build more bathrooms so that people will be able to students will be able to go to the restroom so is it the same for the supplies as well like the different materials that you use and and where do you usually get your maybe your educational supplies from oh yes uh, it is the same with the supplies also even the classrooms that's why the government of tanzania has taken initiatives to build uh, classes like in um, Oliver may talk more about that, but, uh, and the educational materials like books, we usually get from the government. But due to the increase of the number of the students, uh, the supplies are usually not enough. So that's where Kesha Fund also comes in to help with the supplies. Maybe Oliver could talk more about that as an sure. administrator and he has been supervising the buildings for quite some time. Okay, Oliver, do you have anything to add to that? Thank you. Yes, uh, I have. Like, just like what Petra said, the government is tr really trying hard to accommodate students in school, but the number of students really grows every year. Like for me in my school, every year the number of students which I, be I, I receive to start to begin Form 1, it is not always the same. Maybe, maybe last year I received 5,507 5, students, and this year I, re I received five, 576 students. So you can find that the number keeps, keeps on growing. This growth, uh, because this number of the increase of students in school. Uh, became vivid, especially from 2016, when the government resorted to free education, that every parent should now take the students, a kid, to school. So the number has really grown big. With this increase of, of uh, students in schools, you find that the infrastructure that were built there is not supporting them. We need to increase them. Like in my school, since 2019, 2019 years, we began, I began talking to parents on how they can increase the number of classrooms because students were crowded in the class and they agreed. We managed to construct 12 classrooms but in collaboration with the parents and the, the local government. We had 12 classrooms. So the same way, the government is also working with non-government organizations like Kesha Fund to make sure that they are, because they are supporting the education at school. So we use that system to collaborate with government to some extent to make the learning environment suitable and conducive to our students. Okay, okay, thank you. What would you say, uh, and this is an open question to all three of you, okay, all three of you. What would you say um, if, if, if someone gave you an opportunity to have the top three needs of the Kesho Fund met? what would you all say they are? The top three needs. They say, you know, oh, we know you have different projects, different initiatives, different desires and things that you wanna do, but we're gonna give you all the resources that you need for your top three needs. 
what would you all say they are? I wonder what are the top three needs? Is it supplies? Is it, you know, um, more help with the, with the pads? Uh, is it, you know, so that's what I have a question, uh, question about it. You know, you two are there on the ground in Tanzania. So between the two of you, what would you say are your top three needs? Or if you can't think of the top three, then your, your absolute top need. Uh, yes, on my side, I would say that uh, the top three, the first one would be uh, sanitary parts supply for the girls, because that is a very great challenge. And I think it is overlooked. And the second would be uh, breakfast provision to students, because we have students that are coming from very poor background and Sometimes they go the whole day without having something in their stomach, and that one affects wow. their learning too. Uh, and the third would be cost, uh, these supplies, uh, like materials, books, because these are the core things that they need in order to do well in their education, in their final examination, because here they are judged by their final examination. So that if they don't have enough material, it would be hard for them to perform well in their final examination. Oliver and, and John, do you agree with Petro? So Petro said the top three needs, number one is the pads. Uh, number two is the breakfast program. And then number three would be the material. So what, what do you all agree with him on that or? Oliver? Yes, yes, Jared, I agree with Petro totally, especially his option number one, the sanitary pads. Uh, as we speak here, it might sound like something very simple, but the issue is serious. It is serious in the sense that the, it is, I don't know how it is connected with the traditions where a girl's the, the family don't have time to discuss about menstruation and girls don't have someone to assist them. Of course, they learn from school in biology that their body will change, they'll have this kind of changes and how they can prevent them. But um, in practical, they don't get these facilities. And when we talk to students, they say that our parents, they say that it, there's something looks it looks like buying rubbish, buying this sanitary person like wasting money. Instead of buying food to feed the family, they will buy these things which are useless. They find it is useless. So girls will use old pieces of cloth to help them to, to, to support them. And uh, they don't have time to talk with their parents about this and the parents they are not it's not something it's not a big issue for them to discuss about it and they also according to some traditions that should be only for female even your father should not know that you are in menses even boys should not know that it's so something a girl should hold it separately when they are in school they also find knowledge or experience with the other girl who also is not well aware of what the body is passing through and how they can prevent themselves and how they can take it. I'm happy now because the government has also seen this. We have this uh, menstruation day where they talk with it publicly. And when you talk about that, even some say, how can you talk about this? This is femaleish. You should not know about this. Why should we know? So it's something really serious. And uh, as Petra said, 
we need uh, to reach many people. Right now, Kesha Fund is working with Mwanza, but when we share our things on social media, we get a lot of calls from different parts of Tanzania and also outside of Tanzania. We had friends from Uganda. They also wanted to get the same service. So what we need, we need the thing, the, the, the supply of these sanitary parts together with education, to educate the community, the importance of this uh, menstruation. And it's not something people call it kind of taboo. You should not mention it in front of the people. They find that it's a taboo word. So it's something normal and it's the process of growth for women. We need to ed educate the community to understand that. And also girls, to take it as a pride, part of their growth. And when they reach that state, they know that they are growing well instead of what people want them to believe that is kind of a curse. There are so yeah. many words that yeah. lead to menstruation. So really that is number one need I, I find. And I think that Petra also has seen it and we really need it to reach many people. So whoever feels like supporting us, that project will touch a lot of people and will change their life for sure. So, so one thing that um, that really, really uh, stuck out to me, or actually, it's, it's just is fascinating, is that you said as you share your posts and and things on social media that you have other organizations in other countries and other African countries who are reaching out to you because they have the same need. Um, this need for educating, you know, the the young girls or educating, especially the community. But my question is, um, is there any type of education that the Kesho Fund also provides to the parents? Because traditionally, like you said, it may not be something of importance. But how do you know? How does the the Kesho Fund also help to educate the the families that this is a need? Or is it, does it seem like it's, it's, I don't want to say it's useless to, to try to educate the families because it's like they're, they're not necessarily going to, you know, uh, care as much about that, like you said, like as feeding the family. So um, is, there, is there any type of interest in, in parent education when it comes to uh, this, you know, the helping, helping these, young, these young girls? Um, understand their bodies and take care of their bodies in a way that maybe they don't, you know, they, they hadn't been able to before. Yeah, uh, we, we take different initiatives. Of course, we have not arranged something very special like a cash of fun, but whenever we get opportunity to meet with parents, we normally use the girls who are in the club to share their, their uh, success that they have got after being in the club. Like for what we normally do when we have the graduation, when the Form 4 students are leaving the school, we have the ceremony. So the girls' club, they will take the materials, the pads, and the other things that they learn from the club. They share them and show them to the parents who attend there. And uh, of course, parents know that these girls, they are changing. But as I said, because of traditions, they find that it's not something to discuss publicly. But we are now breaking that norm we are take, using the girls who are in the club, they can share the, the success and they know, they share what they are, they, they tell the parents that our bodies are changing, we, we are changing and we need your support. We have the cash fund is helping us to get this and we need to get education from you. 
And also when we have parents meeting, as Petra said that um, the one of the administrators, I get that chance to address issues, girls' issues in, with the parents meeting. Or uh, that's what we do. We don't have the official training organized by the Kesha Fund to reach parents, but we use kind of that kind of opportunities once we meet with parents. And what is uh, what is usually the response from parents as you as you take out the time to kind of work with them to to better understand, you know, their their maturing daughters. What is usually the, the response? Is it positive, negative, nonchalance, or or interest? Yeah, once we do that, we get mixed uh, responses from parents. Like uh, one day, some students had a drama about menstruation and how a student can drop from school because of menstruation. And one parent said, why are you wasting our time? Should we all know all about that? Those are things for females. But many of the parents say that, okay, this is real good and we are going to change the way we raise our children. We thought that is something very simple, but if it can help affect their schooling, we are going to change them. And really they do change. And when we give them the sanitary parts also, we ask them to go and share with their parents. Some parents would call back and say, okay, thank you for giving this. And uh, we will keep this for children, for our children at least to stay for, for a long time. And uh, we'll be talking to them on how they can keep them safe that they don't get the maybe bacterias, to, be, to get the diseases because they, if they don't use them properly, they'll also affect them to get the diseases. So some parents will call calls back and appreciate what we are doing. And as we talk to students, they also say that now my, my parent is talking to me about menstruation. And uh, in the beginning, when I was beginning the first club, I found it the way I explained. But from there, when I go to, I, I shifted to another school, I just called girls, I explained to them, and I took, I did, I did something like needs analysis, and uh, most of them said that they need their parents to be talking to them about their life changes. So after talking to them and addressing to the parents' meeting, the feedback from the children, they said, now our parents are treating us differently, and they appreciate what you are doing to make us uh, to be aware of the changes our bod bodies are passing through. So I can see positive changes from many parents. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So that so it's showing that you're not only impacting the the students but also the parents as well. Um, and so that's that's awesome. Petra, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that, or John, anything that you wanted to add to that? Something I'd like to touch on is a tool that we have now. One of our newer projects uh, called the Free Online Li Library Project that comes from a couple of needs that have come up here today, uh, reaching out to parents, um, inquiries from folks in other countries or other regions in Tanzania asking how we can help them. And Mwanza itself is very large, especially for such a small NGO. So we try very hard to focus um, our direct efforts within Mwanza, knowing that we could be doing this for 50 years and still not impact you know, every student we'd like to be working with there. So I don't, I don't remember where we first came across it, but someone found us a PDF of this sort of puberty education book um, for like a health health class or sex ed class or something like that that was developed for free 
by an author named Marnie Summer, I think is part of her dissertation in public health. And so she started this cool NGO called Grow and Know, I think. And the whole NGO takes these, um, these resource books for young girls and uh, translates it. So ours is English on one side, Swahili on the other, and illustrates it with locally relevant illustrations. So, you know, we talk about the importance of representation in media generally, but of course, when we're talking about puberty and personal hygiene, it's maybe then more important than ever that students looking at the resource book see an environment that resembles their environment, sees students that resemble the students they know, etc. So we wrote Miss um, Sommer an email saying, is it okay if we post your PDF for free on our website? Um, wow. Can we distribute it for free in books? Is that all right? She responded in less than a day and said, I love it. This is what I made it for. FYI, I have one for boys as well. Um, so here's that PDF, which we, we didn't realize at the time. We didn't know what her NGO was up to really. So we put that online. Um, we have started adding other free educational resources, um, educational comic books and illustrated books in some cases, other resources. There are enough of them on the web, but they're so scattered and often from highly um, focused organizations that having them centralized is useful. And so more and more over time, we're trying to direct folks in other areas and at our schools as well to these free downloadable PDFs. All of them are um, optimized for office paper so that they can be printed and photocopied cheaply anywhere. And we use those. Those were the first important educational material that we started producing in bulk for the girls clubs specifically, but then for other events as well and trying to give them out at schools. Um, I don't know if students are taking those home to show their parents necessarily, but to have something um, printed, highly informative in um, a more accessible language, especially for a lot of the older folks than English, uh, I think lends a lot of weight and credibility to what we're talking about. And I think that it helps us, although we're still figuring out how to use the tool as effectively as possible, the idea of the online library is that it allows us to spend um, the small you know, money that we have producing one item that can then be distributed for free online to as many people as we have exposure to. And for schools considering starting girls clubs, schools with a girls club that the administrators may not have a, a very positive relationship with, as Oliver mentioned, they're sometimes met with suspicion in the beginning by parents or by administrators. And so to say here is a starting point, something to talk about, something to distribute, something to use for educating students all at least to a certain basic level that was developed for global relevance essentially, but then of course the teachers take it past that to be more locally applicable. So I, I would say exposure is another big need of ours at this point, and that project probably shows how money is important for producing goods. You know, if we're talking about buying textbook for schools, there's there's no other way than for us to go and, and purchase them. They have to be the right textbooks. But a lot of the education can also happen for virtually no budget. It just needs exposure and discussion with people at schools to help them feel comfortable printing materials out. We're happy to pay for printing and photocopying, of course, that's very cheap compared to um, buying books, for instance, but a lot, um, there are a lot of ways that digital media can be leveraged in that way to have a much bigger impact than our size as an organization would normally allow in other ways. 
Okay. All right. Now, now these resources, are they only available to, um, are they available to students to access? And if so, how, how did the students access these resources or, or is it more so for administrative teams who want to um, either support Kesha fund or, or start their own type of, you know, girls club or boys club? Oh, they're free for everybody. And they really, um, cover an interesting amount of ground. I, you and I had spoken personally, I know. I showed you the um, comic book that we produced, the Kesho Fund, um, for a TED Talk, We Should All Be Feminists, which we really love. We emailed TED, and just like emailing Marnie Summer, the author of the Growth and Changes book, TED emailed us back and said, yeah, go for it. You're just not allowed to sell it for profit as long as it's clear that you don't own the copyright, you're not making money, you're welcome to use, use the transcript for this comic. Um, I found out later, I can't remember where we stumbled across it, but MLK Jr. actually helped edit a comic that someone wrote about him during his lifetime. Um, and it was produced called MLK Jr. and the Montgomery Story, I think. So we found the organization that owns the copyright, again, just wrote them an email and said, we know that this is used to raise money for an important nonprofit in itself. Would you feel comfortable with us distributing it at Tanzanian schools for free? Can we have the PDF? And they said, sure, just put a link up on your website and anyone who wants it can request it by email. We'll give it for free anytime they want. And so, wow. yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there um, to help us educate students in a way that's accessible and fun and interesting and um, relevant to them. All right. So my last, uh, my last uh, kind of question. Now you you kind of just segue right in there, but I was going to ask about the we should all be feminist um, uh, project that you all had, which I believe you introduced to me in 2019. How did the students receive it? So that could be Petra, Oliver, or John. Uh, John, you could tell us how it got started. Petra, if you want, you can say you know how. Uh, how it was received in the community or however it's 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 open floor open floor yeah i'll give 20 seconds on the development and then i'd love to hear how it how it's been received because unfortunately i was already out of tanzania by the time by the time we finished it but yeah. um the ted talk is amazing it's very very interesting um it's very informative it includes a lot of great personal anecdotes and individual vignettes um, in combination with broader observations and, and commentary about gender relationships around the world. Um, however, um, because the author is speaking in English for 20 minutes or so at, at a very high level using complex vocabulary, uh, it's, just, it's a lot of the students' third language. It was very, very difficult for them, um, even though the interest was obviously there. So we came up with the idea uh, first of reading it, which is helpful, but again, the level of, of language was challenging for our students. So then we thought that maybe illustrating it would also be helpful if, um, if TED Media would be all right with us doing that. So we got, I think, 20 different artists in 10 countries around the world. Um, we've, we, reformatted, we reformatted the text as a comic book layout and had them all take a page that they got to choose and interpret it however they wanted in whatever style they wanted as long as it was black and white so that we could uh, photocopy it at schools. And um, yep, finished that PDF in 2019, put it on the website, sent it to schools. Oliver Pedro, 
has a gun. Yeah, yeah. How was it received, Petro? Can you tell us about that? Uh, sure, Charity. As it was mentioned by Oliver before, you know that the gender issue is a little bit complicated. So the comic was received with mixed feelings. Some of the people were thinking that we are teaching our kids in the wrong way, like we are propagating like Western culture. And some of them thought that this is a good book because it gives, it empowers our girls. So it was received with a mixed feelings uh, because of complication with gender issues. As Oliver said that uh, men would think that there are things that they are not supposed to talk about. And women will think that men talking about these things uh, is uh, something that is a norm. And also the word itself, feminism, was also interpreted differently uh, with other people. Uh, like some of them thought that maybe we are talking about the same-sex relationship, uh, which was not. So it was received uh, by people differently with mixed feelings. And and I had a question because uh, I remember when uh, when when John first gave me my copy and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. He was sharing with me that in the the, the cover page that you all had like some type of uh, there was like a bit of back and forth about the cover page uh, culturally, you know how how the I guess the cultural representation of Oliver. Maybe you can talk about that, or you or Petro could talk about that. Like, what was the what was the issue of, I thought she was beautiful on the page. And I'm just like, yeah, girl power. But you know, that's, that's for me as someone that's really kind of modern. What was the issue with the, with the initial cover page before it was, um, before it was changed? Okay. So that's what I'm going to hold up for John. Okay. So John is muted right now. Let me unmute you, John. You have to unmute yourself, John, but this, so this is what it looks like now, but I believe she had on pants or something, right? Like that's what it looks like now. Yep. This is okay. the uh, final edit. So that's the final edit. Now the first edit though, she had on like, it was like, it was like a black Panthers cat suit. I mean, it was <laughs> to me, now, now, you know, I mean, then again, you have somebody who like, you know, my hair is always different in bright colors. So I'm seeing this, this cat suit, you know, on this, on this girl with this Afro. And I mean, she's just like, and I'm like, yes, she represents power. But then, you know, understanding that there's still this cultural difference. So, you know, the message may not be received the same. Um, or it could be misconstrued. So what was that experience like? And what was having to go from the original character that was on the, the, the shirt and on the, um, on the book, I believe as well to the finished. So, uh, Oliver, John or, or Petro, either of you can, can answer that. Okay. I'll go first. The, uh, it's true, the, the first version was not like that on the cover page, but we had to have several discussions, yeah, about the, the cultural implication when we introduced this to our community. You we, the important thing we have to note is that uh, people think that uh, 
dressing uh, a pant like that or a shirt is improper behavior. That's what the, the traditions and uh, the cultural setting believes. Here, people would have uh, the dresses like gowns, skirts, and they must be long. Even wearing short clothes, they say that this is improper. And, uh, it's kind of Western. It is not, not our, our way. And uh, with these girls' clubs, we're introducing things that would make girls understand themselves. Mm. And there are some traditions, like Petra said, that uh, uh, we have kind of division of labor, like household chores are exclusively for women. Boys, according to some traditions, are not allowed to cook, even entering the kitchen. If we enter the kitchen, the boy would be regarded as a weak person. And those are things that uh, some traditions uh, work like that. But now, when we were trying to uh, motivate girls and uh, support them, we thought if we come with the idea that people have that this is kind of Western thing, people won't accept our clubs. They'll think that we are just going against our traditions. So we wanted to maintain our traditions, at the same time, educating girls to understand who are they in the community, and we know that by using the group, the, this is a small group, they will become change makers from their homes and in the community in general, as they will be working and they will have a different mindset and they will understand what are their roles and what is important for them to do. And also, we, when we include boys in the, in the clubs, we tell them things like cooking is something which is really a passion, something which is very important for them to cook for your own. So when we tell them when they go for higher education, they have to depend on themselves. They have to cook. So if they can't learn from the ground roots, how will they do that? So that's what we are doing. And we changed that so that we can go with what people perceive to become proper for them until when i think through education and through exposure and sharing ideas with many people they will understand that dressing sometimes has nothing to do with their behavior so that's what we yeah that's what we changed the cover page i want to say briefly i i i realize that um, a lot of times when 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 uh, people from outside of, of Western countries, they, they see something that's inappropriate. They always say that's Western. I just, <laughs> it always gets me every time they say, oh, that's Western. Uh, I have, I actually have many, many uh, friends from uh, Ghana, from Zimbabwe, from uh, Cameroon, from Mali. One of my best friends for over a decade is from Nigeria. And when I hear these things, I hear that's Western. And I'm just like, I, ho I hope you mean from the United Kingdom, knowing that America is pretty terrible, but you know, in, in my hopes, I'm like, when you say that's Western and inappropriate, I'm hoping you're saying it's from, you know, a different country, but I, I just think that that's really, really interesting um, to hear that. And, and I, I love what you said that uh, the way you dressed doesn't necessarily have much to do with your behavior, but 
traditionally, even in my, even in my subculture, because I am Christian. So even in my subculture, we, you know, we believe that the way you dress does have uh, an influence on your behavior. So I think it's, it's just very interesting um, to bring that up. Um, Petra, did you have anything to add about that before, before I tell the people how to get in contact with you all? Oh, I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I love it. He's like, oh, no, I'm okay. You guys did well. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, I want to say thank you so much to John and Oliver and Petro for um, sharing Kesha with us. And, and also, if you want to be able to learn more, you know from last week that you're able to uh, follow up with them on their website, keshofund.org. Also, if you want to um, participate or donate, um, you, you heard the top three things that they are in need of. The first one is that the sanitary pads project. Uh, also, the second thing is the uh, the breakfast you know, um, passing out breakfast. And, uh, and then the third thing I believe was the materials, right? So um, if you're able to uh, get in contact with them, you know, you can reach them on social media at Kesho Fun. Uh, and definitely don't just say, God bless them. I, pr I hope and pray that, you know, they receive donations and things. You can be a part of that. They're not asking for much at all. Okay. You can be a, a, a part of that. So any last uh, things that you want to add, Petro, Oliver, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you all were able to be here with us this Wednesday morning for you in Tanzania. It's afternoon here in China. But I'm so I'm just really, really thankful that you all were able to be here with us. So is there anything else that you would like to add or say before before we end our episode for the week? Uh, yes. Thank you very much, Charity. I am glad to be part of this uh, episode. And thank you very much uh, to our donors all over the world. We assure you that the money that you donate is being used effectively and we care about your devotion. We care about our students and we care about our world. Thank you very much and have yes. a nice day. And thank you. And Oliver, how about you? Thank you, Charity, for hosting us today. And we got time to share with the world how we are working with our students and how we are helping them to realize their potentialities. We know that we are working with uh, different cultures, but what we are doing here is to help them, and uh, we appreciate the support we are getting from different people. They don't question about these kids and how they are going to benefit back once they give us support, but we appreciate them and uh, we truly ask them to keep on supporting us so that we can reach many children and uh, many youth as they need their support really and uh, i have come with one of the kids here i don't want to leave without showing it to you uh, when we talk of the kit this is what we mean we are using locally available materials this is the this is the material that is common in tanzania and it is called kitenge in kiswahili 
And uh, the here is where, when we prepare the pets, we put them in a kit like this, and we hand over to a, a girl. And inside the kit, as we mentioned, John showed you the pictures. I would like to show what we put inside when we, we mean the wings. Every kit has two wings like this. So this is the wing. And as ah, you can see, see the wing this week. <laughs> yes, and we have the pressing studs here. And inside the, in between the wing, we have we put a kind of a porcelain paper to prevent the the blood to pass through, and wow. the the parts that we talk of we have they are just like this. So this wow, way. yeah. So how to fold it this way, and a girl has to insert here. The wing has things like a little pocket here. Then okay. you insert the, the pad inside. And we'll get something like this. And use the pressing tight tie starts to tight under the underwear, and the girl is good to go. So wow. she has the opportunity to add more. If the floor is heavy, she has the opportunity to add more parts. That's why they requested for more. In the beginning, we were giving them five parts, but when we asked them about feedback, they say this five is not enough when you because we have to keep them and wash them. So we added the kit to have 10 parts and two wings, as you can see. So our donors. This is how we spend the money for these reusable sanitary pads. And they have really helped many girls to, to keep them stay in school throughout the year. It has prevented some kind of truancy and absenteeism. We appreciate your support. Please keep on supporting us and help us help our children strive. Thank you. Wow, that is ingenious. Wow. Thank you so much for, for <laughs> I was struggling last week. John, I see what you did there. You made sure that Oliver had the kit there ready so that I could see. Not my idea. No. Well, she had it. Thank you, Oliver. It was very helpful. Yes, that was perfect. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I, unfortunately, it is time for us to bring it to a close, but I just want to say uh, to, to John, Oliver, and Petro, thank you so much once again for being my guest here on the 37th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. And like I said to you all before, you can look at the uh, link, visit the link in the show notes or the description box below so that you can connect with Kesha Fund and be a part of this great initiative. You see that it is something that is not um, just for fun. It, um, it's fun and helping, but it's not just for fun. The, they're, they're supplying and providing everyday needs. Some, some of the things that we take for granted that we have at our disposal, just they are providing necessities that you want to be a part of. So make sure you check the link in the bio and also connect with them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Kesho Fund. And you can visit their website, keshofund.org. And don't forget that you can connect with me right on YouTube if you're watching uh, forward slash Dr. Charity TV, everywhere on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, 
at Dr. Charity TV, and I will see you guys next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com and follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.